0: One of the good things about living in Michigan is that there are no mosquitoes around here. Now, you may disagree, but at least where I live, there's no mosquitoes. I mean, it's the beginning of June, but so far, I haven't been bitten by any. I I love it when I could just go outside and sip my coffee all afternoon without getting even one bite. It's just amazing. And uh, I'm like, where did all the mosquitoes go? I wonder if you have mosquitoes around your house because I kind of miss them. (laughs) I'm saying all of these because I came from uh, Korea, from Asia, where we suffered from mosquitoes so very often. Now, you may say, mosquitoes, come on, you know, you got to man up a little bit. But you don't understand anything about mosquitoes in Asia. They're not like those tiny, innocent ones that you find in the U.S., but the mosquitoes in Asia are like, they're big, they're vicious. They will will literally eat you up. And that's how scary the mosquitoes in Asia are. Now, living with somebody who hates mosquitoes like she hates the devil didn't really help. And I'm talking about my wife. And I remember that my wife would wake up like 2 a.m. in the morning. And she would turn on all the lights in the room just to kill one innocent mosquito that was buzzing around the room. Now, I, I learned that my wife could be very tenacious. I mean, that's, I think, one of our virtues. She never gives up. But as she's like running around the room trying to kill this mosquito, I just wanted to say, just give up. Is, is that going to kill you. I don't know how many times I offer my body as a living sacrifice. I was like, just bite me. But for whatever reason, those mosquitoes always went after my daughter and my wife. There's a lot of discrimination when it comes to the world of mosquitoes. Did you know that? <laughs> now, anyway, isn't it amazing how our hearts can be affected by just one tiny mosquito? I mean, Satan doesn't need to send a, a, a host of demons to attack your heart. All that he needs to do is to send one tiny mosquito and like you're done. You're done for the day. I remember feeling so tired In the summer afternoons, because of the lack of sleep. And when you don't have enough sleep, your heart is always like agitated, irritated, you're tired, you can't focus. You know, doctors say a lot of complications can happen when your heart has issues. You can have blood pressure issues, you can have some internal organ issues, and if you're going under so much stress and pressure, you could also have psychological issues, maybe anxiety or depression, and emotional issues as well. But there is one problem that is more serious than all the other issues that I just mentioned, and that is when our heart becomes spiritually ill. When your heart is not in the right place, then you can't have a right relationship with God. Even though you read the word of God, this word of God doesn't really sink into your heart. Even though you, when you pray, you're only praying selfishly. You're not praying for other people. You're always angry. You're always bitter. And eventually, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit dies out. You don't have peace. You don't have love. You don't have patience. No no, no, No joy. So today I want to think about this issue of, you know, what's, what's wrong with our heart? So today I want all of us to go through an overhaul of our heart. And to help us do that, we're going to look at one of the parables of Jesus, and it is called the parable of the soils. And in this parable, we're going to see four different types of uh, soils, uh, which represents four different types of the Conditions of human heart, and as we look at these soils and the heart, we want to ask ourselves, what type of heart do I have today, and how can I have a good heart so that I can be more fruitful in my life? Now, for some of you watching this today, you may not have a relationship with God, you may not know who Jesus is, but you may still have some heart issues. Maybe you have a hard time waking up in the morning. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're angry all the time or bitter all the time. And I want to tell you today that at the root of your problem is the conditions of your heart, that your heart is not right with God. So I hope that God will speak to you as well today as we dive in to the parable of the soil. But before we go on, let me pray for you and let me pray for myself. Father, thank you so much for uh, this day and for, for your word. You know that sometimes our heart can be distracted sometimes our heart can be hurt and and we're depressed and we are angry and confused and because of all of that we end up wasting a lot of time in our life we miss all the opportunities that you're providing in our life and we don't want that god we want to thrive and we want to be fruitful in our life so teach us how to how to be focused how to have a good heart today Speak to us, O Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have a copy of the scripture, let's dive into the text. So today we're looking at Mark chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and it goes like this. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So just uh, picture this. Jesus is in front of a very large crowd. And this is a, an emphatic expression, so you could easily imagine that there were hundreds, if not thousands of people in front of Jesus as he was sharing this uh, parable. And so let's continue. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, listen. And it yielded no grain, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what is this parable about? What is Jesus trying to teach us? Well, the interpretation of this parable is rather straightforward. Because this is one of the few parables of Jesus where Jesus himself gives an explanation. And according to Jesus, the seed represents the word of God and the sower represents God or represents Jesus who was teaching the parable in front of the large crowd. And the, the soil, the four types of soils, we had the past, the rock, uh, the thorn, and the good soil. The four types of soils represents the condition Of human heart. Now, notice that the sower and the seed—they don't change. It's to stay the same. Uh, It's the same sower, and uh, all the seeds are identical. What changes is the soil. And for that reason, the soil is the focus of this parable. And Jesus is asking us, "What type of heart do you have? What kind of soil do you have in your heart today?" So let's look at each type of soil one by one starting with the seed that fell on the path. In verse 15, it says this, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The first off, we have uh, the seed that fell on the path. These are the people that when they hear the word of God, it just kind of bounce off. Because the word doesn't stick. The, the soil is too shallow. I mean, there's no soil in the past at all. And this soil never sprouts up. It, has, it, has, it never takes the opportunity to grow. Now, who are these people? Now, you could say that they were people who were rather indifferent about church, people who are not interested in the matter of uh, the church or Jesus. Uh, you know, the people who drive past the church without giving us a glance, you know, those people who are apathetic about church. You could say that these were those people, but there's a little bit more to this. Because if you think about it, we have to remember that Jesus was speaking to actual people, a lot of people in front of him. And they were actually very much interested in Jesus, uh, very much interested in the matter of church, just like some of you are today. But they were not interested in the word of God. They had different motives for coming to Jesus. Now, if you flip a page and look at the beginning of chapter 3 of Mark, uh, you see that a crazy stampede of people were just going on top of each other. Uh, They were trying to touch Jesus to get healing from, from Jesus. It says that the people were so many that Jesus was almost crushed by them. Now these people could not care less about the word of the words that Jesus was teaching but they would go on an extra mile to get healing from him. They had they they had the passion to be healed but they had no interest in the one who was healing. And today Jesus is asking, is this you? Can this be you? You know, Milo City is a great church and there's just so many opportunities to to get plugged in. There's so many opportunities for you to get involved. Now, you may have start, started to come to church uh, to serve. You may have joined our church uh, because you have a burden for students. Uh, you may be interested in some of uh, the worship team or, or uh, serving as a, as a parking team. Uh, and those are all wonderful reasons for you to come to church. But if you're not interested in Jesus or not interested in the word of Jesus, then you, you, you won't go too far. You won't be able to go too far. Now notice in verse 15, Jesus said, If your heart is like the past, then Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now why is Satan coming to snatch up the word? Uh, It's because for Satan, the greatest threat is God's word. Satan is not afraid of you serving in the church as long as you're not walking in God's word. Satan is not afraid of you serving in church as long as you're not doing it for Jesus. But Satan will shudder when you begin to notice that God's word has power. When you start taking God's word seriously, Satan will start to be afraid. When you begin to notice that God's word is true and it deserves your obedience, that's the time when the Satan will start to act. You know, Oswald Chambers, he, he once said this, It is much easier to do something than to trust in God. We see the activity and mistake panic for inspiration. That is why we see so few fellow workers with God, yet so many people working for God. We would much rather work for God than believe in Him. We would much rather work for God than believe in Him. And I wonder if this word resonates in you. We can be, we can be busybodies and doing a lot of stuff in church, but are we doing it for the love of of God, love of Jesus Christ. Now think about this: Am I interested in hearing God's word, or do I just want to like get things done? Let's think about this. If your if your heart is like this past, Jesus is saying you are not going to be fruitful. You're not going to be uh, doing anything for, uh, for for the eyes in the eyes of God. Now let's move on to to the rock, uh, picking up from verse sixteen. It says this. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So next we have the seed that fell on the rocky ground. The rock may contain some amount of soil, but it's not deep enough for this seed to take root. It doesn't have any nutrients. The seed cannot get the right moisture, the right nourishment, so that it doesn't grow. It just withers. When the wind blows and the rain falls, or when the tribulation comes, or when the stock prices start to go down, or gas prices start to go up, Their heart becomes so full of anxiety, they become afraid. And they say to themselves, you know what, I don't have time for this. I I don't have time for Jesus right now. I I better get back to my office and let me just sort my life out a little bit. And once my life uh, gains a little bit momentum, maybe in six months or so, I, I might come back. For these people, the suffering and the hardships become a stumbling block. Now, the scripture says in many places that hardships and and sufferings are are meant to strengthen our faith, not weaken our faith, faith, but strengthen our faith. And Romans 5, just to give you an example, says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when our heart is in a good condition, when our heart is right before God, hardships and suffering should strengthen our faith. And I can confidently say that had it not been for all the difficulties that I experienced in the past, I won't be here. And I know that many of you can attest to that. But for those who have the heart, uh, heart of a rock, like this rock, the hardships and sufferings have the opposite effect. It weakens their faith. It becomes their stumbling block. And we're like, why is that? It is because they have the wrong view of God's word. For these people, God's word is some kind of a a clever life hack uh, knowledge or some kind of a clever trick or wisdom that would help them avoid uh, all the troubles in their life. Oh, Jesus, make me a a better person so that I can be nice to my boss. And uh, I really need this promotion this year. Uh, Jesus, give me, uh, give me face so that I can take more risk and, and invest my money into this and that and make, make a lot of money. You see, for these people, God's word, their understanding of God's word is very superficial. It's all about changing their behaviors. It's all about changing their actions. Do this, do that. And it's not about changing their heart. And when these people face sufferings and tribulations. They say, what the heck? What's the point of reading God's word if, if my life is still a mess? What's the point? And so they decide to just throw away their face. But we have to remember that God's word is so much more than just good moral teachings. God gave us the word, not so that we can just be nice to each other, but so that we can look at our hearts and notice our sin and notice how, how much in need of our Savior we are. God gave us the word so that we can understand who Jesus is and what He's who he, done for, he has done for us on the cross. God gave us the word for our heart, to change our heart so that we can be prepared when tribulation, when persecution comes, we can be prepared. So notice what Jesus says in verse 17. He says this, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now Jesus said that tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Uh, other words, because of the word. Jesus is saying that you're, you're going through all that persecution, all that difficulties, difficulties in your life because you're obeying you, because you're following my word. He's saying this that the word of God is not about avoiding suffering, but the word of God is about abiding in Jesus so that you can learn how to withstand in the midst of suffering. It teaches us how our character can change and how our character can grow so that we can go through suffering with Christ. And that's why the Scripture says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's a sword. It's for us to fight the enemy. It's not for us to run away. It's a sword. We ought to fight the enemy in the midst of suffering. So let us check our heart today. Is suffering being a stumbling block to my faith? Is my faith being weakened because of all the suffering? Or is it being strengthened? Am I reading this word so that I can be changed in my heart? Or am I reading this word so that I can just have a better life, so I can just be nice to people? Let's think about that a little bit. And Jesus is saying that if your, if your heart is like this, like this rock, you're also not going to be fruitful in your life, fruitful in the eyes of God. Now let's move on to the, to the thorn. It says in verse 18, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So next we have the soil infested with thorns. The seed sprouts up and it grows and grows to a certain point. But once it reaches a certain point, it gets entangled with all the cares and the worries of life, thorns and weeds, and it, it just dies. It never bears any fruit. Your heart is distracted with so many other things uh, your next vacation, your next car, or your next house, or uh, stock prices, or your bank, bank, uh, bank account balances. You're so distracted that you have no heart left for God. You're too busy, and you can't bear any fruit. Now, thinking about the, the fruits, Jesus is saying here that sometimes we can be deceived that having riches And being fruitful are the one and the the same thing. You can be deceived that having riches and being fruitful are the same thing. You can be deceived. Now, notice what Jesus said in verse 19. He said, he used the expression, deceitfulness of riches. He's saying riches, having wealth, can be very deceitful. Now, I have a confession to make. You know, back in Korea, when our family was living in South Korea, uh, we didn't really have much stuff. We we just lived in this uh, small apartment. Uh, if you take four steps that way and four steps the other way, you know, that was our room. We didn't even have a room uh, to uh, put a bed, not even a single size bed. So we just uh, slept on this uh, baby mattress that we bought for our daughter, Reka when she was little. And that lasted for like five years. And that's all, all that we had. But when we came to the U.S. about, you know, two years ago, things got a lot better. Um, Now we have beds in our room. Now we have cars. Not just one car, but two cars. And the house that we live in right now, listen to this, the house that we live in don't have mosquitoes. (laughs) How amazing is that? No more earthquakes, you know, during the middle of the night. And, uh, oh, I still remember the day when I uh, bought my barbecue grill. I felt like I became a king, you know. But I have to tell you that there were times when when I got too consumed by my possessions, that my possessions began to possess me. There were times when I became confused that having a lot of stuff is equal to being fruitful, You know, when I bought the grill, that barbecue grill, I was like, wow, thank you, God, for making my life fruitful. Now, the reality is that when Jesus talked about the fruitfulness in our life, he wasn't talking about uh, material or physical fruitfulness. He was talking about spiritual fruitfulness. And when it comes to spiritual fruitfulness, it's to do with our character. It's to do with uh, loving other people or... Uh, having joy in times of difficulty, or being patient to other people. And spiritual fruitfulness also means uh, thinking about salvation of other people. And it has nothing to do with our material possessions. When God provides us with some stuff, He's providing it so that you can bless other people. It's just a mean to the end, and it's not the end itself. But sometimes we get so confused sometimes we think that oh having a lot of stuff is is uh being fruitful but it is not jesus is saying don't get confused you can't serve both god and money at the same time do not get confused don't start idolizing worshiping your possessions only worship me so let's ask ourselves today am i being consumed by my possessions Am I uh, being uh, distracted by all the desires that I have? In order to, for a heart to be in a healthy position, what is one thing, one or two things that you need to, to get rid of? Let's think about that. And Jesus is saying today that if your heart is like this uh, uh, this soil infested with thorns, then you cannot be fruitful. And finally, uh, we're going to move on to... The last soil, the good soil, uh, it says in verse 20, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Good soil is somebody who hears the word, but not only that, who hears the word and accept it. And those with the good soil can bear fruit 30-fold, 60, and 100. It's a supernatural harvest that you can have. And that's what Jesus is saying. Now, here is the question that kind of summarizes that all I have been saying. Based on the analysis that we've been through, and you discover that, oh, my heart today is like the past, or my heart today is like the rock. The question is, how can how can my heart become like this good soil? Or based on the analysis today, you discover that your your heart is infested with all these thorns. How can you remove all the weeds and the thorns so that your heart can become good? That's the question, isn't it? Because it's one thing to analyze your heart, but it's a completely different thing to change and to receive this good soil. How do we do that? Well, when Jesus spoke this parable... He knew that no one would understand the answer to that question. And that is why Jesus, uh, when Jesus explained this parable, he was only talking to his disciples. He wasn't explaining this to all the other crowd because Jesus knew that they would not understand. I mean, maybe they, they would change their behaviors, but what's the point if they change their behaviors and, and they don't change in their heart? And Jesus says, that I'm going to you know, speak with parables from now on. Because they may indeed see. This is the word of Jesus. Because they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear but not understand. That's why Jesus spoke in parable. Because he knew that nobody in front of him would really understand how to receive a good soil. Now then something happened that really changed people's perception, that really opened the eyes of these people. Something happened. What happened? Well, Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus resurrected from the dead. When when that happened, people learned that Jesus came to to die for them, to, to give his life for them. He came to clean up their mess, and they finally understood that our hearts can become a good soil, only when we start believing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's not about what they do. It's not about making all the effort to pull out the weed, but it's about Jesus coming for them and saving them, cleaning up their mess. It's about Jesus saving them and not about them saving themselves. Now today we need to remember this That good soil doesn't come by changing your behaviors. It doesn't come from behaving well, but it comes from believing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to lean on to Christ. Instead of trying to do it yourself, you need to be calling upon his name every single day. You need to be walking with Jesus. It's not about you doing something, but it's about Jesus doing it for you. Don't try to clean up your mess by yourself, but ask Jesus to give you a clean heart. Now, some of you who are watching this may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. You may have lived your life like like that seed that fell on the past. You were apathetic, you were indifferent about about Jesus or about what's taking place in, in church. You say, the word of God, no, nah, not for me. You're not interested. Maybe next week, but you're not interested. But I know that you have a tension in your heart. You may have a heart that is so dry. You may be angry all the time. Whatever happened in the past, you're bitter all the time. Maybe you can't wake up in the morning because you're depressed. And maybe you've tried all the messes out there to alleviate your pain. You may have tried money or sex or drugs or started a new relationship, but nothing worked. You try to plow your field by your own effort, but nothing worked. The next day you found a new weed popping up and you're like lost because it seems so endless. And if you like that, I want to tell you today that God loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for you. He came to die for you so that you don't have to be the one going out there and plowing the field. Jesus wants to do it for you. He came for you. He died for you so that by grace and grace only, you are saved. He's calling out for you today. Cling on to me. Lean on me. Depend on me. Let me clean up the mess for you. And so today, if God spoke to you, and if you want God to intervene in your heart, if you want a new new heart, a new soil, a good soil, then ask Jesus to give you one. And wherever you are at today, I want to encourage you to close your eyes and, and pray with me. Father, thank you so much. You spoke to me. My life could be mess. My life used to be like that past, so parched and dry and nothing good can grow in it. I tried all the methods out there. Nothing worked, Jesus. And I'm so tired of this. But thank you Jesus, for teaching me today that you came for me. You came for me to give me that good soil. I don't have to somehow try to get it myself, but you gave me for free. Jesus, I believe in you. I want you. I want this new soil, Jesus. I believe in what you did for me on the cross. I believe that you died for me, for my sins. I confess that I need you. I admit that I am not imperfect. I am a mess. Jesus, would you save me? Only you can save me. Jesus, and as we continue to pray for, for those people who just pray that prayer, the scripture promises that you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. And Jesus, thank you so much for today that, that even when our heart is so dry, you came to nourish our heart. Thank you, Jesus, that our heart can be renewed not because of our effort but because of what you have done for me so help help us jesus help me jesus to check my heart is it so dry is it full of weeds is it full of thorns if it is i confess that i need you jesus i need you to intervene once again so that i can have a good soil i want to live for you jesus you gave me this purpose I want to be fruitful for you, Jesus. So would you give me a clean heart so I can be ready to start this new week? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for those uh, of you who uh, pray that prayer with me today, uh, we don't want you to walk this life alone. And we just want to encourage you to reach out to us, uh, get connected to us, Uh, You can text the word uh, Miles City on that number on the screen. And we would love to get to know you and reach out to you uh, so that you can discover uh, the purpose, the wonderful, beautiful purpose that God has for you.